welcome along to the Michael Castle Group podcast series. Luke Davis is my name, and my special guest today is an unsung hero of the theatre, and indeed of the Australian and worldwide entertainment industry. Theatre goers would have seen her work on stage for the best part of four decades, but may not even know it. Jodie Morrison is a shoemaker, and she's provided handmade shoes and unique footwear for countless films, operas, and theatre productions since the 1970s. If you've ever seen Wicked, Phantom of the Opera, Mary Poppins, or more recently, Kinky Boots, then you've seen Jodie's work. So let's learn a bit more about her. She's right here beside me. Thanks for your time. My pleasure, Luke. I'm so glad to be speaking with you today because you're an example of the hundreds of hundreds of people who work behind the scenes of a theatre productions. They're experts in their field, but they never receive any of the applause. It's not fair, is it? We take the applause when it comes for the whole production and mm. when best costume is one for a production. You know, we have our own secret smile going on <laughs> and know that we've put our things in. But my best um, applause is when I come to the initial meet and greet for a show mm. and People who've worked with me before, the performers, are so happy to see me and they know that they're in good hands. So you're a bit of a legend in your own right, I suppose. Well, I mean, a, a legend in a very small tribe of musical theatre people mm-hmm. and some film, but yeah, mainly musical theatre. Good. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning for you. How did Jodie Morrison become a shoemaker? Because your grandfather was a bit of an inspiration, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He had Ale Lindsay and Company, which was dress-up clothes mm-hmm. for cowboy and Indians and Annie Oakley. And, and I spent my childhood dressed up. And, and, you know, I've continued my life in that way and that, you know, I still work in dress-ups. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought I thought every child actually had the total outfit yeah. for um, for Annie Oakley, right down to the boots and the gauntlets and the everything. And um, I started, well, I, I was educated. My father had taken us from um, blue collar to white collar and I had some university education, but it was the 1970s, so I turned on, tuned in and dropped out <laughs> and then had a variety of jobs and then went, I'm going to be a shoemaker. And um, that actually took a while between saying that and doing, well, about a year to get to the point where I had a job in a factory. And I went to TAFE and I worked very hard and won all the prizes and I won the Rural Bank Training Award. From that, I got a rotary scholarship when I'd finished and I had a year in New York at Parsons School of Design, which was fantastic. And I did a bit of designed for the theatre, but lots of colour and drawing and all these things, which was fabulous. But prior to that, I'd left the factory in 1979 and I started my business stepping out. And I was, you know, it was very small. Friar had no money, which is never a way to start a business. And then I went away and I went to New York and I then worked with a woman in New York that was making footwear for Broadway. And uh-huh. so... Did all that, and then I came back, and I had an exhibition, and I had a publicist. Bruce Pollock was yes, my publicist, yeah. and so he got me on daytime TV. And this is the sort of synchronicity of life, or the luck, really. Mm. I was on daytime TV on the Mike Walsh show, and it was a Sydney rainy, rainy, rainy day, and they told people not to leave the house right. if they didn't have to. And so people turned on the telly, including um, Jim Fishburne, who was the producer of La Cage Right. And he then rang me up and said, 
You can make the shoes rather than us getting them from America. And there's plenty of correlations between Lacage and Kinky Boots, which is a more recent production. And we will get to that. But before we do, I want to step back to stepping out. So nearly 40 years now in the the one business. Tell our listeners exactly what do you do? Okay. We make shoes from basically from the leather, fit up a last and make everything to fit the performer. So it's all bespoke, it's one of a kind. Absolutely one of a kind. It might be one of a kind, the same one of a kind sure. when there's a new performer comes into that role mm. or is this understudy, they all have their own shoes. Mm. Um, and so we cut the patterns, cut out the leather, stitch them up, um, pull them over the last, put the soles on, heels, whole thing. It's amazing. Your your workshop's there in in Leichhardt in Sydney's Inner West. It's part of a a greater area called the Canal Road Film Centre. So you've got wig makers and costume makers and everybody everywhere. How big is the space overall? Oh, it's several sheds. It used to be some sort of public works department. It's owned by New South Wales government and we're always under threat and making sure that you know, they know that we are the engine room of filming yes. and theatre uh, because there's different people. I and mean, sometimes they might be building a roller rink out the back for something or, or sure. um, costume hire is there for films, uh, props co is there for films. And, um, yeah, so it's really big. I have about 700 square metres, so mm. I've got a – big space because I've got lots and lots of last because every every pair of shoes that has a different toe shape and heel height and fit mm. I need a pair of lasts for so I've got probably about 4,000 pairs of lasts now and <laughs> and we get new ones made if we've got some new production that we're doing like for kinky boots mm. I needed to get at that heel height for a men's fit, there's no point trying to make a man fit into a big women's That's shoe. Right. It's a yes. different sort of fit. So, yeah. So you were kinky boots. You were before that time. This is the story of you pretty much having, <laughs> to, having yeah. to make shoes to fit men dressed as women. It was, right, from La Caja Foll. And, and um, you know, we do Rocky Horace. So we've yeah. got all those the black stilettos at the end and I've been yeah I've been doing a lot of high heels for men for years so this is incredible you have to go to Jody's website steppinout.com.au there's an incredible array of designs there you have to check it out steppinout.com.au you mentioned earlier that you've done work for both theatre but also film I'd like to focus on the film career at the moment you provided footwear for movies like The Hobbit Moulin Rouge King Kong The Piano Chronicles of Narnia, The Great Gatsby, The Matrix, it goes on and on. Do most films have an official shoemaker or is it only these, uh, the stylized films? Stylized films, lots of films, they shoot from the ankles up. So (laughs) something like The Hobbit actually had to have things made. We had to... You went over to New Zealand for that one. I did, it was great. We um, We had a really nice time with that. And everything was scaled. So we worked with the dwarves especially, but I did Orlando Bloom and, you know, the... Lead, I love that you've just used that people. as a throwaway line. Yeah, well, it was oh, because... Oh, we just fit a choose for Orlando Blue yeah, and Hugo but, Weaving. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Hugo Weaving I've been doing for years and Kate Blanchett, <laughs> you know, like Australian. They're the Australian theatre yeah, royalty, yes. aren't they? And um, But The Hobbit was really this whole thing of trying to make, which worked, um, trying to make the shapes that would make them look 
full-size people look like dwarves. Right. And so we had to make because they had they had dwarves, the regular size people and then giants. Yeah. to get all this scale worked out. So um yeah, it was clever. How fascinating. And you got the gig almost by chance. Of course, you were very skilled, but the original shoemaker from the original Lord of the Rings films retired. And yeah. so the gig was available and then you slotted. And um, also Paula Ryan was the costume supervisor. Mm -hmm. And she's been costume supervisor on lots of films that I've done things on. And she just went, come over <laughs> and fix this. Make make this work. Make this work. So I went, okay, well, I'll need my people with me and I'll need this and I'll need that. And she said, and you'll need a car. I went, do I need a car? She said, ask for a car. Just do it. Just come here and fix it. So we went there and, and we made it work and fixed it. And But the sort of service that they required, once I was back, I left, I left one of my makers there and then I came back and then sometimes she'd ring because it was all changing all the time, um, she'd ring in the morning and say, I need something that's on a lunchtime plane tomorrow. Now, there's 20 labour hours in a oh, pair of boots. Really? Yeah. Mm. And we, well, sometimes more. Kinky boots is more. But, they, and, and so we would get it on the plane. Often she was flying people come pick it up, yeah. fly, because they'd had a change of plan as to whether it was a weather cover or whether what was happening, they had to change, but they needed those boots But when the then. gig's on, it's a hard slog for you. Oh, when, when um, Baz Luhrmann did um, Moulin Rouge, mm. right, With um, and there was this statement in The Good Weekend, which was, he said, this is no bullshit, there is no day, there is no night, there's an endless stream of creativity. <laughs> well, what that meant was he'd have a bright idea and everybody would stay up <laughs> to get that endless stream of creativity into reality sure. because that's how it works. So film is a very tough gig. Theatre, I really like more because people are dancing eight shows a week. They're really using mm. the product and so – then you can go, you can see the show. Other people go and see the show. I yeah. mean, Kinky Boots was fantastic because it was all about, you know, it's called Kinky Boots. Yeah. But other things, like we've got Aladdin on at the moment. They mm -hmm. dance so yeah. hard in that. That's a, that, that's a thrashing kind of show. But you've also done things like Wicked Fandom of the Opera. Oh, yeah. Also for Michael, of course, Priscilla would be a big one. Do you do yeah. the shoe on top of the bus? No, I didn't do the shoe on top of the <laughs> bus. On, but I did the... Um, I did do all those ones with the um, with all the platforms and all that stuff. So, but this is something that theatre goers and there's many out there listening wouldn't even think about that a theatre production would have shoes made especially as part of the costumes. How often is that the case? Is it every single theatre production? Some things are contemporary, and we can buy shoes. Mm -hmm. But if they're dancing, they can't just go to the shoe store yeah. and get something. Even if they they can't even go and just buy ballroom shoes because they're not made for eight shows a week, mm. hard dancing. So everything's made specifically. You make a tap shoe differently to what you make a contemporary dance shoe. So the question for you then is what makes a good shoe? Because it has to look good, but it also has to be comfortable and practical. Yeah. So, and lightweight. Mm. So those original ones I made for La Cage Folle, mm. I was so nervous about 
those men putting too much weight on and breaking things that they could survive a nuclear yeah. bomb. <laughs> you know, that was so, so then they're, they're fairly heavy. And so then you kind of move on to be able to use, like I've started using carbon fibre, right. which is fantastic because you've got lightweight and strength and that's always what I'm aiming. But you need flexibility, but you need flexibility that doesn't break down quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, right. Yeah. As you say, eight shows a week and pretty heavy duty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so that you need to have something that responds to the designer and the performer. And sometimes it can be remarkably complicated. I was reading about you doing a production of Singing in the Rain. Of course, oh. Todd McKenney's there and you've got the rain pouring down. He still has to tap. It has to have grip. It can't be waterlogged every performance. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to come up with a solution. Yeah, and I do. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That just sometimes you just go, hmm. Well, we've got Mamma Mia on at the moment yeah. and they, they dance in flippers. Yes. And they were having trouble with their Achilles because you can't bend your foot properly and you can't do whatever. So instead of doing something complicated, I just did a bit of sanding and took some of the rigidity out of the flippers. And so I turned the flippers into slippers. Did you ever think when you started out a career in shoemaking that you'd be sanding down flippers? No, no, I didn't. But, um, you know, I realised when I did did Babe 2 and I'd put in in an invoice for... Clowns, chimpanzees, and orangutans, and I thought, I don't have an ordinary job. <laughs> this is not, this is not what is regular, and it's fantastic. I mean, I've made a fabulous job for myself. Yeah. You know, I'm about to go and buy leather in China. Later on, I'll be going to London doing the tour and the London cast change of Kinky Boots, mm. as I did last year. I did the cast change over there, and that came from having done good work on our kinky boots and Callum Francis yeah. recommending me to London saying this woman fixed all my problems. How fantastic. Yeah, and and so it's great, you so know. So you've really forged a career and a reputation for yourself. Is there much competition out there? No. There's not A that we're not training in Australia. Mm. B I've got 40 years on anybody who starts now <laughs> yeah. and a huge collection of last mm. so that I can make things properly and if if somebody comes along to compete and and win something then I'm not doing my job properly but what happens is I trained as a pattern cutter I'm really happy to cut patterns when I started in the industry and there were the old fillers in their shops they never wanted to cut patterns or make something different we love making things differently at stepping out we love sorting out problems and doing all that so it's it's always been for the love I mean, you have to make some profit so you stay in business, but we so put the love in it, mm. and that is the difference. Are there many young people coming through, or do you fear for the industry? Um, we've just actually got this lovely young woman start with us mm. who had come out on a one of those under-30 working visas where she could be with us for six months. Right. She's half Austrian, half Japanese, right. trained in Austria, at the shoemaking in a small workshop with lots of different skills rather than just one section of the skills. And in Japan, she's too Austrian. In Austria, she's too Japanese. <laughs> so we got a 457 visa for yeah. her because there's no training in this country. So, And I have a succession plan. I have Alex Dunwoody and she will take over the business. She's just about to turn 40. Wonderful. So we've got a succession plan in place to keep Stepping Out going for a long time. And when I named the business Stepping Out, 
it wasn't Jody Morrison makes shoes sure. because you have a business that can go on rather than is just with, dependent on me. And with not much training in the country, you can dominate the industry for many years to come as well. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a small amount. So we do do work overseas mm. and I've just done the Lion King in Manila and we send boots to the National Ballet of Canada. Right. As well as we make the men's character shoes and the ballet boots for the Australian ballet, the West Australian ballet and the Queensland ballet. So we, you know, we're open to what's going on so that we can keep rolling along because you have a really big show Mm. and then not very much. What I love about what you've said is that you, you obviously take great pride in your work and you love seeing it up there on stage. But you say often there's so much detail that any audience member would have no idea, but the performer would see the detail and it makes them feel a little bit special. Absolutely. And and that comes out in their performance. Yeah. So it can make the character as well. So I'm doing, we do quite a bit for Sydney Theatre Company. So we did Muriel's Wedding earlier this year. And um, so as soon as those people put on their ABBA boots, they could be ABBA. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Without that. Rehearsing in the gym shoes, they haven't quite got it yet. They put that on and, and they're there. All right, I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of shoe okay. making because people would have no idea. Has it changed very much over the past four decades? You still work to a last. So you make a last, which is the take a measurement of the foot and then find the appropriate last, which has got the toe shape and the heel height mm. and is what you physically make the shoe on. How much is it handmade as opposed to machinery? The sewing machine's been around since the late 1800s, yeah. so we we stitch the uppers on the machines. Mm-hmm. The way we're doing is pretty handmade We because it's one-off. So if you work in a factory, you get a last that are all the same and you have all the insoles that are the same and you just whack it on. Yeah. We're not. We're building everything from scratch. We're cutting from bends of leather. We're cutting the soles out. So nothing... in. In a factory, everything is usually pre-cut, pre-formed, and you just put it together. It's cookie-cutter kind of thing, whereas mm. we're absolutely from tours. So yeah. if somebody comes in for measurements, say I walk into Stepping Out and I want, my, want a pair of shoes made for myself, how precise are the measurements? It's not just I'm a nine or I'm an eight and a half. Yeah, it's yeah. far more precise than absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so we take lots lots of measurements. Defeat change over the years or if I'm a nine I'm always a nine no different different for different people when women get pregnant their ligaments stretch so Mm. their feet tend to stretch out but if Todd McKinney or Callum Francis you see they've been cast in a show you can go to your little book and say oh well I've got all their measurements we can just start making it we still would do a fitting you would if there's been and and a change of style so it could be that Callum has four different lasts different sets of lasts Mm. so that we can make the different shoes that are required but we had um Bert uh Matt Lee mm-hmm. was yes. in London and he was doing Mary Poppins and so he said please they've given me dreadful shoes over here can <laughs> I've still got my Australian ones and they're wearing low can you can you make me another pair so then we just go to Matt Lee's last and make him his Burt shoes, and his mum carried them off to London for him and so he could go tapping. And I've got, at the moment, I've got Ariel as Jasmine 
on Broadway um, in Aladdin because we made when she came out they'd sent shoes and she hated them we made her shoes and so then she's still stepping out on Broadway now she's just been cast in the lead there how absolutely incredible oh so you know we get our wry smiles about things <laughs> I think that as Australians we always thought until we started traveling and seeing other other people's costumes that we might be a bit inferior so mm. we all tried so much harder but the quality of costumes in Australia is always remarked on by these international um, costume supervisors that come out of the associate designers are always, always blown away by what we can do here. Fantastic. Where do you get your materials from? Well, um, tomorrow I'm going to fly to China and go oh. to Guangzhou where there's a leather house. Now that leather comes from all over the world. This is because I'm doing Kinky Boots in London yeah. and Kinky Boots has such specific colour references so I got very excited when I went into one place and it just had patent leather and there were five different shades of red <laughs> because we have such we have hardly any footwear here anymore so the there's one leather house or what kind of one and a half and they do a lot of upholstery stuff and they carry a small range of footwear stuff so when you called upon to have these really specific things. I mean, sometimes we art finish stuff or whatever, but... But this is the detail that people wouldn't even realise, you know, that the shoes are a relatively small part of the costume, but you're travelling the world to get the exact right colour, the exact right material. That's the attention to detail. Oh, yeah. And the... um the exact right heels and just to get it all right. Of course, this makes things quite expensive. Yeah, it's like several thousand dollars for those kinky boots because some of the uppers just took 10 hours to stitch. Mm. Like the Union Jacks take forever. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's after you've cut out the patterns and cut out the leather and then start machining them up, let alone making them building platforms. and But they last. Oh, they do last. How long should a good pair of shoes last or does it vary greatly? It varies greatly and it'll depend. Some people just kill shoes yeah, and some people don't. And um, just generally if you're wearing shoes and you alternate your shoes, yeah. then they last a number of years. I mean, I've got people that have got boots that I made that they wear regularly each, you know, between Easter and the October Logan weekend, and they're 10, 12 years old. Mm. Yeah. What's next for Jodie Morrison? Well, we're it just all never ends. really excited about. Um, well, I did. I made the fabulous pair of. Um, well, I actually made two pairs of. Uh, Wizard of Oz ruby slippers with all these beautiful Shrovsky crystals on it the other day. I got really excited. (laughs) But um, big kinky boots and then we'll start doing the um, Harry Potter. Is the is the big thing I'd say. Another big Michael Castle Group production. Oh, we love Michael Castle Group. We do. We do. You know what I love best? Hmm. They're all really lovely, and it's not a top down. I mean, even though it's called Michael Castle Group. But it never feels top down. Nobody feels unapproachable. Yeah. Um, they're always willing to hear what your opinion is and they really recognise that you know what you're doing. You know, they employ really good people mm. and then they respect their opinion. So. What did we agree upon, 100 or 200 for that plug? <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations on everything you do. I said earlier you're an example of the many unsung heroes of theatre and may there be many more beautiful shoes to come. Jodie Morrison, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Luke. And thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Davis and we'll speak with you soon on the next Michael Castle Group podcast. These shoes are symbols of our family's history.